Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Do you think that even bad things are intended for God's glory? We'll hold on to that and see what happens in our story today. I titled this Rescued for His Glory. Amen. That's good. Really good. God is writing His story using the lives of frail humanity to demonstrate his power and his glory. We get the feeling that it's all about God. One of the faithful Hebrew captives is going to face a challenge of a lifetime, and God is going to show himself glorious in this story this morning. So number one, consumed by obedience. Consumed by obedience. I like that. We're in Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. You can read along with me if you want. Darius the Mede, he's the new king. You remember last week, King Belteshazzar, uh, he died because he was not honoring God. They went down to the temple. Actually, they didn't go down to the temple. They went down to the storehouse. They took the, the cups and the plates and the articles of worship that had been in the temple back in Jerusalem. They took them out of storage and they threw a party with, uh, with God's cups. And God shows up, writes on the wall, says, you're done and your kingdom's gonna be divided. Well, Darius is who follows. Darius the Mede decided to, uh, pardon me, decided to divide the kingdom into a hundred 20 provinces and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province picturing all this lots of government the king also chose Daniel this is important he divided it up 120 provinces put somebody over each province and then the king chose Daniel and two others as administers as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. So Daniel's way up in the hierarchy of King Darius's kingdom. Big position already. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. I like that. It's a side note. But God's people ought to shine, right? We should be the best, most efficient, most effective, hardworking people on the planet. And sometimes whenever people, Christians, are lazy, it bugs me. That's why I'm kind of pausing right there. It's not in the text, but it's kind of there, right? Be effective. So soon Daniel proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of David's great, Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So kind of like the story of Joseph, Daniel's going to become the number two. Remember Joseph back in Egypt? He was uh, elevated to number two in all the land. Well, the plan for Darius is going to take Daniel and elevate him to number two because he's doing such a great job. Now, Daniel, he is a Hebrew. He's a Jew. And he's going to be promoted to basically number two over ahead of all of these Babylonian and Mede and Persian leaders, right? All these other people who are officials and, and they're just going to get passed over. So you can see that there's, there's, this is going to cause a problem, right? Because Babylonian lives matter. Okay, let's go on to verse 4. Then the other administrator, Wuzing, <laughs> hurry, go on. <laughs> Been waiting all morning to do that. I'm hysterical. <laughs> Okay, my wife hates it whenever I do that. But anyways, 
I get a lot of kicks out of my sermons. All right, verse four. Then the other, <laughs> we need to regroup. Maybe we should start over with that last song again. <laughs> then the other administrators and high official officers, pardon me, began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. Now, I'm, it's so hard to read this slow enough to just put your brain into what's going on and make the connection. This is not like I took this story out of yesterday's newspaper, right? Some of you are like, what's a newspaper? Like uh, yesterday's Twitter feed, okay? I don't twit very much, but whenever I do, <laughs> tweet. It's, it was, that was another bad joke. All right. This is, when we look at how the government is functioning and how people are behaving here, oh, this is our world. So the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Man, we can make a sermon out of those three things. He was faithful, responsible, and always completely trustworthy. So they concluded... Our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So if they can't find something wrong in your character, then they're going to make your religion wrong. Okay? Make it wrong for you to worship. Verse 6. So the administrators and the high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We are all in agreement. We administers, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king, you, Darius, should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Now, anytime somebody comes to you like that, we're all in agreement, and you are great, O king, you just know you're fixing to get snowballed. Pay attention, right? We're just going to appeal to your ego. We're all in an agreement. We're just, you're wonderful. This is going to be great. Give orders that the next, for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. This new law is in direct violation of the law of Moses. The first and second commandments from Exodus chapter 20 verses 3 through till I get tired of reading because it's good text. It says, verse 3 says, you must not have any other God before me. Verse 4 says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of any, anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Did you get that? I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Then he says, did y'all catch that? So whenever you reject God, you can just plan on your kids, third and fourth generations, having problems with God. There can be problems. There are. Verse six, then he says, but I lavish 
unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. God is very serious about this bowing down to and praying to other gods or idols and Daniel knows this. But his reaction, Daniel's reaction to this God-rejecting law is to do what Daniel has always done. I mean, he's living radical here. He sees that they passed a bill that does not co cooperate with the word of God. And he just says, you know what? I'm going to do what I've always done. Verse 10, but then, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem, towards his homeland, toward where the temple was, where he had worshiped before as a child. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. There's so many things to unpack there. We gotta hurry. Daniel did not protest. He did not argue. He didn't make any kind of fuss. He did as he had always done. He prayed and he gave thanks to God. They just passed a bad law and he's going to pray and just thank God for a beautiful day? Come on. All that is on, all that is on Daniel's mind is I must pray and give thanks to God. Do you think he knew that he had just been done wrong? Do you think he knows that what they passed as a law was wrong? Yet what he needs to do is go and do as he usually does to pray and give God thanks. Listen carefully. I'm not gonna go too far down this road. Don't you either. Civil protest is not Daniel's intention. Some of you are like, yeah, we finally got a scripture. We can go after the government. No. <laughs> Civil protest is not Daniel's intention. Obedience to God is the issue at hand. There's a big difference, church. Instead of concerning ourselves with our rights being taken away by man, we should be more concerned with us obeying and pleasing God. Why? Because he is a jealous God. I took a class called Scripture and Ethics. Later it was uh, also known as Scripture and Opinion. But that was not a good title. I took Scripture and Ethics in college and one of the discussions that we had was about how Christians were, would, should and were, were responding to the government's restriction of prayer in school. Now, of course, the argument was that our rights as Christians are protected by the Constitution. That was 25 years ago we were having that argument. Our rights are protected by the Constitution. You tell, can't tell Christians what to do. However, are you with me? However, the discussion ended up in that class that if Christian parents are not praying with their children at home, then what difference does it make if they're allowed or not to pray at school? Oh, snap. Obedience to God 
is a bigger issue than all of your rights as a man. Our responsibility as a believer is to be, to be obedient to God so that we are, number two, innocent in God's sight. Daniel chapter six, verse 11. I know that there's a New Testament counterbalance. Stick with me, we'll get there. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house. So then, what happened previous? Daniel's on his iPad and he sees on CNN that they passed a law that we have to pray only to Darius and Darius is all excited about it. He just goes up and he says, thank you, God, that you are God. Thank you. Darius goes up to the, to the upstairs room, opens the window, looks to Jerusalem and says, thank you, Yahweh. And he shouts it. I think that that's what he did. He probably said, Yahweh, Yahweh. Right? Then, because the officials were watching, they went together to Daniel's house and found him with his window open, praying and asking for God's help. Hmm? All the things that, of all the things to be found guilty of, Daniel has been found guilty of praying and asking for God's help. Church, if we're found guilty, let it be for praying and for asking for God's help. Verse 12, so they went straight to the king. Are you visualizing that? Bunch of guys in robes. <laughs> We're gonna go tell the king. So they went straight to the king. Oh, you just wanna smack him, huh? Sorry, that wasn't pastoral. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except for you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den? Don't you remember that, oh great King Darius? Yes, the king replies. That decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and the Persians, and you cannot, it cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel... One of the captives from Judah, you know, the Hebrew. He's ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God, not once, not twice, but three times a day. Verse 14. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. It's not the response we were anticipating, is it? The king is deeply troubled. And he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. Even in the king's selfish pride, he knows that Daniel is innocent of any real crime and it's really bothering the king. So in the evening, the men went together to the king and said, so they're back a second time, your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king, yourself, signs can be changed. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that these guys are not earning any credit with King Darius. Picture what happens next. So, as the king gave orders, so at last, pardon me, at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. I think Darius's heart is hurting here. He doesn't want to do it. He enacted this law. 
He got blindsided by these guys. He knows that he messed up. Now his friend and, and the, a man that he admires because he plans on elevating him in, the, in this kingdom, now this man is going to die. And there's not, not anything that even King Darius can do to rescue Daniel. So he gives the order. He says, the king said to him, to Daniel, may your God whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. Think that Darius is offering a little, little prayer himself there. May your God, Daniel, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you because I can't. Most powerful man on the planet, I can't rescue you. Verse 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one no one, got that? No one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting because he's worried about Daniel. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. I don't know why. I probably, because of uh, children's Bibles, I've always pictured the lion's den being under the coffee table of, in the living room in the palace. Does anybody else, you know, it's, it's like he walked out of his bedroom into the living room and, you know, pushed back the coffee table on the rug and you lift it up and there's the lion's den. I don't know why that was in my head, but it, evidently he goes out to where there's, a, there's actually lions that live in this den probably. And that's why they put the big rock was to keep the lions in and the people out. Sorry, I had to just go on a little trail there. So very early the next morning, the king gets up and he hurries out to the lion's den. And when he got there, he called out in anguish. The king, he calls out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God. Was your God, whom you serve so faithful, was he able to rescue you from the lions? Oh, was God able? Are you serious? Verse 21, Daniel answered from behind the rock. Long live the king. Yeah, you're reading my mind, aren't you? Come on in here, king. Dare you? Dare you, Darius. Long live the king. My God sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him and he, for he had trusted in his God. And the principle of this story is just so incredibly simple. Just obey and trust. It's that. Daniel had been done wrong. There's no question about that. But Daniel also was careful to do no wrong. Right? He was careful to do no wrong in fixing this predicament. He just trusted God and continued to do what he's always done. Listen, church. Listen carefully. Here's my point, and I'm going on to number three. It's much better to be found innocent by God than to have achieved revenge of men. It's better to be found innocent by God than to achieve revenge on men. Number three. Are you guys all right? 
I like the way you're looking at me. But we need to tell them. Number three, judged by God. We still have a lot of story left. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. I like it. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. It's harsh. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Did you guys ever have that in your children's story book? Yeah, no, we, we kind of skipped that part out. Throw the wives and the children in. The lions leap up, rip apart these people. God not only delivered Daniel, but God exacted judgment on those who were evil. Yeah, like most men, I have a tendency to appeal to an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Are you with me? Over here in sinful land? Fairness, revenge, yes. But Brent, we have to do something to defend ourselves, to defend our honor and so on. There are times that you and I may not see God's judgment on evil. But don't think for a moment that God allows wickedness to go unpunished. Are you with me? Because sometimes we're like, well, whenever I say we, I mostly mean me, that God's not punishing that person like they need to be punished, so I'll, you know, be God's mighty power and I'll go take care of it myself. No. No, God will deal with it. God judges sin. He never lets wickedness go unpunished. One way or another, the penalty for sin is exacted. It's all the more reason that we can spend our energies obeying God, pleasing God, and not, not seeking what we think is justice. Some complicated thoughts there. You with me? Our concentration is on obeying God, pleasing God, trusting in God, seeking him, not our own sense of justice. The story isn't over yet. There's still more, more happy things happening at the ending here. Verse four, or number four, pardon me. God rescues and saves. Verse 25, then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. This is the same thing that Darius did previous chapters. Peace and prosperity to all those in the world, all of his kingdom, all these different languages and nations and all these people. He's declaring it to the world. Isn't that cool? How about having the power to do that? Even in the internet age, you can put on the internet that Christ is king. A few people will read it. But the king of the world put this out and he expects everybody to read it and hear it. It's pretty cool. It's powerful. Peace and prosperity to you. He says, I, the king, the king of, of Babylon and Persia and the Medes, I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. Hoorah! <laughs> For he is the living God. 
and he will endure forever. Keep in mind, this is coming from a king who just got up early and ran out to the lion's den because he knows that his friend Daniel has been torn to bits and eaten by the lions. And whenever the stone is rolled away, a voice comes out that says, long live the king. Oh, that's Daniel, my buddy. Oh, God is powerful. When no one could rescue Daniel, I saw God rescue Daniel, for he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. Do you believe that? King Darius did. King Darius believed that the God of Daniel rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs, something that you and I can't do, and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Isn't that cool? So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. We'll talk about him in a couple of weeks. Daniel's life was miraculously spared. The king saw with his own eyes the demonstration of the Hebrew God, and God was glorified. King Darius, because of what he has seen, because he has seen the glory of God in the life of Daniel, King Darius declares to the world that the God of Daniel rescues and saves his people. There's anything you grab onto this morning, that's it. The God of Daniel rescues and saves his people. We can look at the challenges that we face and know that God rescues and saves his people. Our faith is not in ourselves for justice or for security or safety. Our faith is not in a government or even in a pastor or a church. Uh-oh. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the one who rescues and saves. When we are done wrong, have you ever been done wrong? Don't raise your hand. Don't look around. When we have been done wrong, we, turn, uh, we tend to turn inward to focus on the offense or the injustice that someone else has inflicted on us, Right? I mean, if anything we've done in the last year is teach people to be offended and then dwell on it. Daniel, he had been done wrong and he just keeps his eyes fixed on God the Father. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why these guys are all acting like boneheads? I'm just gonna focus on a glorious God and keep doing what I've always done because I know that God rescues and saves. God rescued Daniel for all of us to see and for God's glory. Daniel didn't do it. King Darius was unable to rescue Daniel. In fact, he makes clear that no one is going to be able to rescue Daniel. It's not possible. And then God and God alone shows up in the story and he rescues his people. That's the God that you and I serve. So when we're looking around and reading the news feed on our iPad or your iPhone or there's another brand of phone, I don't remember what it is. Uh, there's another digital device. Right? I know, all, all those people that, well, anyway. When we're reading the news of the world and we're seeing how wronged we're being doing, how wrong we're being done, 
how wrong we're being doing. I don't even know what that is. I speak for a living. When we're having all these opportunities to be offended, dare to be a Daniel. Trust and obey. Do what you've always done. Soap. That's what we've always done, right? Right? We do soap. We read the Bible. We pray. We study. We seek to serve God, to please him. If the whole world falls apart, you know what we're going to do? We're going to read our Bibles. We're going to pray. We're going to seek to obey, to please the Lord God Almighty. That's what we're going to do. Sounds like a real battle plan, Brent. Yes, it's the best battle plan. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace in our lives. We thank you that we can read the stories of your people that you rescued and that you saved. And just by reading these stories, it encourages and bolsters our faith because we know that you are the God above all gods. You are the living God. And in times when there's no hope of rescue for us, you are our hope. You are the only hope and you are glorious for it. Lord, you know the trials that different people are going through in this congregation. You know the frustrations that they may be having and the challenges that they may be having or maybe it's the offense that they're carrying with them. Father, I pray that by all of the power of your Holy Spirit that you come into our hearts and our souls, our minds, and to our bodies, Lord, that you would help us to overcome, that you would rescue us from those, those offended feelings, that we would be set free to give you thanks for all that you do for us. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.